0: This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Welcome to Inspiring Minds. My name is Emily Brown. I'm a senior here in VSB. I am studying accounting and finance. Um, Today I am here with Dr. Jennifer Altamiro, who is the Associate Professor of Accounting and the Director of the Masters of Accounting Programs we will be discussing corporate culture and compliance in her studies of the pharmaceutical industry. Thank you for coming today. I am really excited to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me. And thank you for taking the time to
1: read the paper and uh, prepare some questions. My
0: pleasure. Can you please explain the topic of your research and summarize your findings for me? Absolutely. So this
1: paper is a collaboration with two other colleagues. One uh, is named Helen Zhang. She's at the University of Minnesota. The other colleague is John Gray, who is a management science professor at Ohio State University. And so what we've done is we've brought two different settings together. So we have firms that have to report on their financial uh, results through the SEC, And then these same firms are also pharmaceutical and medical device firms that are required to comply with good manufacturing processes established by the FDA. So, what we've done is we've taken the sample of firms and we look to see if there is a relationship between firms that are compliant. In their financial reporting. And we compare those to whether or not these same firms are also likely to be in compliance with their FDA inspections. So what we look at are the negative outcomes. We look at firms that have had to restate their financial statements. And we compare those with firms that have had weaknesses in their inspections. They've either had a warning letter or they've had a shutdown. And what we find is that both FDA weaknesses, so failed inspections, and we Weaknesses in financial reporting, so likelihood of restatements, are both associated with what we call a weak internal control system. So we believe that these three things together are indicative of the fact that the company uh, seems to have a weak compliance culture or is weak along the integrity dimension Mm -hmm. of culture. Once we find that that relationship exists, then we look to see, well, how does the market react? So if you look at the way the stock market reacts to a restatement, the negative reaction to a restatement is much stronger if a company also has FDA inspection failures. And we say that is indicative or may suggest that the stock market thinks there's more, a more pervasive problem. We also find that there's more CEO turnover if there's a restatement that's associated with this FDA compliance. We also find that a stronger board, uh, boards that are um, not as entrenched, that have appropriate incentives, are
0: more likely to prevent these types of compliance weaknesses. Can you explain some firm-level characteristics that will influence the development of a firm's compliance culture? It's a difficult concept to measure. So
1: do they have finance experts on the board, accounting experts on the board? Do they have industry expertise? We also look at where the firm is in their development. So firms that are growth stage firms or very young firms are going to have a lot of pressures to get their products to market, to get their financial statements out in a timely fashion, to show growth in earnings to show growth in products. Those types of pressures can lead to more uh, instances of non-compliance.
0: Also in your paper, I noticed you kind of touched on shareholder rights. How do you believe shareholder rights structures impact compliance measures?
1: Shareholders make certain decisions about uh, how they want to invest, if they want to stay with the firm, how they want to vote on certain issues based on the information that's provided to them and based on certain assumptions about management's integrity around that information. So shareholder rights are certainly going to be negatively impacted if they find that they made an investment decision based on a company's financial statements. And a year later, those financial statements have to be restated. So um, the shareholders' rights in those cases, uh, sometimes the shareholders will just, as we say, vote with their feet, which means they sell the shares. Shareholders also have the right to sue. So they could engage in litigation if they believe that information was withheld from them and they weren't able to make good decisions. So that's really where the role of governance is so important. Shareholders believe that the board of directors is acting on their behalf. They are the representatives of the shareholders at board meetings for you know big decisions. They get to meet with the audit committees. So shareholders have to believe that the people sitting on those boards are working in their best interest and mm-hmm. making sure that they are getting information that's timely and also that the firm is in compliance with all of the necessary rules and regulations. So that's, again, why we think that the, the corporate governance aspect of this paper is so important.
0: How do you believe we can get people with more integrity, people with more experience on boards, and how do you believe that we can have more accurate information available to shareholders?
1: These are two really awesome questions, um, which
0: I I think I'm going to take them separately. So the first part in terms
1: of how do we encourage that culture of integrity? We truly believe that it's tone at the top managers, mid-level managers, employees under those mid-level managers are going to look to the choices made by management to get a sense of uh, what's this company about? What are our values? What things are, are important to us? So I think part of that comes from the hiring practices. Again, the board of directors looking for people who are embracing a culture of compliance, a culture of integrity. And a lot of that, too, I think, is at the responsibility of the universities, uh, where we need to make sure that students understand that being a business professional means being an ethical business professional. Encouraging people to realize that honesty, their best work, communicating effectively, not holding back, not being afraid of making a mistake— Not being afraid of saying, I don't know what the right thing to do is right now, but I'm going to make the best decision that I can. And it's really difficult. There's a lot of pressures on people, as we know, uh, particularly CEOs and CFOs. But I think if the message that they get throughout their academic life and into their early business life is one of honesty and commitment to integrity and transparency in reporting, I think think that that message is going to carry through um, in terms of how we can effectively communicate this type of information uh, there's been a lot of changes in in how information is reported to the market I mean we certainly still have the traditional uh, quarterly financial reporting and annual reports but the use of social media is much more prevalent uh, making sure that that information is uh, appropriately, reported and that there are safeguards on how that information comes out because sometimes people will use social media to report something and they don't realize the implications. So again, it's it's education. It's making sure people realize, you know, your words have power. So I think thinking more broadly about accountants' responsibility mm-hmm. with respect to financial reporting, the SEC's responsibility with respect to financial reporting, is going to become more and more important because information's getting to the market so much faster, and there's so much more of it. Those are the challenges that are, that are being faced by the regulators and then also by the practitioners, the CFOs and the corporate financial reporting officers at firms uh, who have to prepare these statements. Mm -hmm. and make sure that the information is relevant and appropriate.
0: What values and practices do you believe will drive a more compliant corporate culture? And if you could encourage a CEO to do something, what would you tell a CEO? Communicating across processes, Mm -hmm. communicating across the
1: institution, across the organization is absolutely key. We are not in a world anymore where the accountant goes into their office and the plant manager goes to their plant, and they work very separately, and their lives and their their output are not interconnected. All of these things are interconnected. So having really good lines of communication in educating the accountant on what's happening at the plant and what some of the risks are. A lot of this relates to risk. The CEOs need to understand what all of the business risks are and how those risks are related to each other and needs to do a really effective job of communicating those risks to the other employees at the firm. CEOs need to make sure that the employees of the firm and the shareholders of the firm understand what the company's about. What are the drivers of success? What are the drivers of profitability? What are the drivers of risk? Because all of those things are going to impact how successfully they sell their product, how successfully they attract new shareholders, how successfully they retain employees. And those are all the things that are going to keep a company going mm-hmm. into the future. So I really think it's it's communicating.
0: All right. That's all I have for you. I think I've learned a lot. Um, i want to reread your paper now. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, I hope other people want to read it too. It's been a lot of fun to work on. So thank you so much for your time today and to our audience. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.